you a few things to remember, and uh, I need to try to remember those, so that whenever my wife asks if I remember what he said, you guys can say, yes, perfect, yeah, awesome. That'll be the first time this week. Okay, um, so anyway, uh, I think most of you all know me, um, and, and that's, that's awesome. Uh, there are a few people here that I don't know. So my name is Andrew. Um, I was a youth minister here for roughly 13 years, um, loved, loved almost every minute of it. Uh, those elder meetings got rough sometimes, but um, anyway, I'm joking. Uh, so anyway, we're, I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning um, and, and uh, be giving you guys the word um, and exactly what that looks like and what I want to talk with you guys about. But uh, Dan is gone. He is, I think, at this time probably getting on a cruise ship, and uh, he took my second oldest daughter, and uh, to say I'm a nervous wreck would be an understatement. Um, so anyway, I'm not real happy with him right now. So anyway, they're, they're going to Honduras and to Mexico. And so anyway, it's one of those things that I'm just a little apprehensive about, right? So anyway, um, if you guys would pray for my sanity this week, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, as as my, my second oldest is gone um, and they're on a cruise ship. So anyway... Um, a, a little bit more about me, I've been working on my master's degree in counseling for the past year and a half, and uh, been, I, I will hopefully walk in May. Um, they won't give me that diploma until I take two more classes. So uh, anyway, but it's, it's kind of just nearing that time in the semester where things get hard. Students, am I, am I speaking clearly? Yeah, it's, it's getting hard, right? Because it's been so long since Christmas break, teachers, I won't forget you guys either. It's getting hard, right? Yeah, okay. Um, but it's been so long since Christmas break. And you just kind of almost lose sight of what you're really there for. And spring break is just a few weeks away, and you, that anticipation for spring break is very large. Not having schoolwork, not having to read for a week would be amazing, Right? Well, you know, sometimes I think that happens with our spiritual life as well. Sometimes we need to come to a point in our spiritual life where we need to refocus. We need to look exactly at what we're doing and refocus so that we can be more fruitful in what we're doing. Rick Atchley, um, he's, a, he's a minister, um, he tweeted this a few years ago. He says, as you make resolutions, remember it doesn't matter how accurate you are if you're aiming at the wrong target. And as I sat there and I thought about that, what, what Rick was saying, many times we, as Christians, we get so involved in the things that we're doing, the programs that we're doing, that we lose sight of what we're actually working toward. So this morning, I, I want to spend a little bit of time with you guys talking about this idea of refocusing. And what does refocusing look like? How is it beneficial? But more importantly, who we're focusing on. A little, a little uh, question for you. This is, uh, this is, you guys don't have to answer it. It's rhetorical. Um, something that, that you guys just think about for a second. True or false, the primary focus of the New Testament is our growth and personal holiness as a Christian. That was a mouthful. I'll read it again. The primary focus of the New Testament is our growth and personal holiness as a Christian. I can 
take out a few books if you want me to. Let's take out the Gospels and let's take out the book of Acts. Just from that equation. I'll read it again. The primary focus of the New Testament is to focus on our growth and personal holiness as a Christian. As I sit here and I think about that, I would love to answer yes. I would love to. Because that would make, that would make the Bible completely, um, it, would, it, would, it would enable me to take every verse and apply it strictly to how I need to better my life. But if I really think about that, the focus of the New Testament is solely founded on the person, the saving work, and the lordship of Jesus. So today, I want to talk with you all about what it means to refocus. How do we refocus? What do we need to do to refocus? But when we refocus, I think eternity will be forever impacted. So the first thing that I really want to talk about with you guys is pretty simple. It's elementary. It's foundational in our life as a Christian, and that's to focus our eyes on Christ. Focus our eyes on Christ. If you would, open up your Bible to Hebrews for me. Hebrews is one of my favorite books. Um, a little bit of history about Hebrews. We don't really know who wrote Hebrews. Um, authorship is unclear. But, but we think Paul wrote Hebrews. Not everything matches exactly the other, the other Pauline epistles or anything like that. The, the, the wording there doesn't match exactly. But there's a lot of characteristics that, that would enable us to conclude that Paul writes it. But in Hebrews chapter 12... Paul's going through a lot of the lordship of Jesus and, and, and how Jesus is Lord. And he's setting that foundation for the church. And he says this in Hebrews chapter 1, or sorry, sorry chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Paul, he's referring to the li our life, the life of a Christian as a race. But he's also saying that Jesus is the author and perfecter of the Christian faith. What's that even mean? What does that mean? Well, he's saying here that, that the author, he's the one that writes the story. He, he knows what's going to happen. He has set it up. He creates the story. He's also the creator of our spiritual story. What does it mean to be the perfecter of our faith? It means the author has ensured that our story will have a happy ending when we choose him. You know, many times I think we get distracted. Yesterday um, was the final day of Upwards, and I had three kiddos in Upwards. I had kids in three different age divisions of Upwards, and I got to watch, watch a lot of basketball the past 10 weeks. A lot of basketball. And I thoroughly loved it. But something that I noticed 
is that in the younger divisions, it even happens in the older divisions, you have kiddos, and they aren't confident of their skills. And what do they do? They take the basketball, and they dribble like this. And their entire team can be standing over here screaming their name, right? And what are they doing? They're doing this. And all they can see is themselves dribbling the ball. And they can't see their team. But as they grow older, hopefully, they start dribbling like this. And whenever they walk down the court, what can they see? They see their team. And they see that there's, the team might be open and they can throw the ball. Don't worry, I'm not going to hit you guys in the face. But they can see their team and they throw the ball. And what happens is they see what is going on. Their eye is on their team. Church, can I ask you a question this morning? Is your eye on Christ? Or is it so focused on what you're doing that you've taken your eyes off of Jesus? See, because many times we can get so wrapped up in the things, I'm guilty, I'm speaking from, from a guilty perspective here. We can get so wrapped up on the things that we are doing that we take our eyes off of Jesus. Guilty as charged. As a minister here, guilty as charged. We get so wrapped up on the events going on here. We get so wrapped up on the things going on at home. Students, we get so wrapped up on things going on in school and sports or whatever it might be that we take our eyes off Jesus. And Jesus, he is the author, he is the perfecter of our faith. Not only that, he endured the cross for each and every one of us. So, are we like the first, second graders? When they dribble that ball, we look at the ball and we never take our eyes off of it. Maybe sixth graders too. Or, do we keep our head up, keep our eye on Christ, and move to him in every step that we take? See, church, if we can refocus, if we can keep our eyes on Christ, I think that the kingdom of God will be forever impacted by the choices that we make whenever we keep our eyes on him. Secondly, again, this one's pretty foundational. I think we need to follow Christ. I think we need to follow him in every step that he takes. I think that we can all agree on, on Paul's life for a second. That, that Paul was following Jesus in every decision, maybe not every, but almost every decision that he makes. If you guys would, flip over to Philippians chapter 3. But in Philippians chapter 3, um, we, see, we see Paul kind of recounting all the decisions of his life that he made. We see Paul, and, he, and he's sitting here, and he's like, you know, I've, I've been a bonehead quite a bit. I've made a lot of stupid decisions. I've, I've done some things that I'm pretty shameful of. But the best thing, the best decision that I've ever done is to follow Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, it says this, 
But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So basically, right there in that first verse, Paul's saying, everything that I have done, everything that, that I have done on my own without Jesus, it is a loss. And I am gladly letting it be a loss so that I can have Christ. Kind of a bold statement to start off right here with. And then verse 8, he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, if you guys have, have a pen, and you guys are those marking people in your Bible, mine's marked, I want you guys to go and I want you guys to underline loss, lost, anything like that. For whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now here's where it gets really good. I consider them rubbish. I don't know um, how many of you all had the opportunity to go over to Joplin after the tornado. We were over there as a church, oh, three, four weeks, almost in a row. I have never seen rubbish like that before. Everything was just, I mean, it was like little gravel. Whenever it went over homes, it, it destructed everything. We had some friends, uh, my grandparents actually had friends that lived just west of uh, St. John's Hospital. And I remember driving up to their house and everything looked just like gravel. That's how I envision this. Everything is rubbish. You can't form anything together to make anything. It's all rubbish. And he says that everything is rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Now, I'd, you guys have underlined loss in your Bible. I would love for you to circle gain because that is the most important thing that we can, that we can understand from this passage. He says that I may gain Christ, in verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. See, Paul understood what losing your life meant. It's not my will be done, but God's. We're at a time of transition here at Countryside, right? We're, we're kind of in that process of what do we do? How do we do it? Where do we go? Who are we going to hire? You know, I think those are all good questions. But I think those questions are rubbish. Because the foundational question that we should be asking is, are we still following Christ? Are we still following Christ? So I have a challenge for you. This is a big challenge. And a challenge that we have been doing. I'll be open with you. We've been doing it. 
what would happen if we as the body of Christ here at Countryside Christian Church started fasting and praying from one meal for our leadership as we continue seeking Christ in our new minister. You know, I think the kingdom would be forever impacted because we are seeking Christ in everything that we do. That's a challenge. I hope you take me up on that. Elders have a meeting tomorrow night. That'd be a great time to start. I hope you do it. The third thing that I think that we need to do as the body of Christ is to not allow pride to disrupt our relationship with him. Guilty is charged here again. Anybody prideful? You don't have to answer the question. Anybody prideful? Nodding your head is answering the question. I told you guys you didn't have to do that. But guilty is charged. And, and when there are times that I think I'm not prideful, guess what? Man, I'm prideful, right? Many times I think I can handle life on my own. But you, as, as I look back at the Bible, the very first sin that we see, Adam and Eve, is their pride. They thought that they wanted to be self-sufficient. They thought that they wanted to be independent. And those are all forms of pride. Several years ago, my wife and I adopted our son, Micaiah. Uh, most of you guys probably remember that. Um, it's been six years ago now. But, but one thing that I did not know how we were going to do was to finance that, right? Pretty expensive. I did not know how we were going to pay for that. And we were praying, and we had some friends of ours who, who their son had died, and they wanted to do a, a, a gift in memory of him. And they came up and they handed us $2,000. For me, I don't like that. Because I can handle it on my own, right? I can handle that on my own. I will go to such great lengths like we did to sell our home to finance the adoption because I did not want anyone to help me. True story. When those people came and handed me $2,000, it was one of those like, I don't need that. I don't need it. That's a very nice gift, but I don't need it. And my wife hit me in the ribs. Um, but it was a very nice, and, and they did it and absolutely loved it, and we actually have been able to, to give, continue to give that gift to other people. But it's one of those things that, that pride can seem so small. But in reality, pride is huge because it takes our focus off of Jesus and puts our, that focus back on us. Pride is one of the most... It is, I'm not going to say most, it is the biggest thing that derails us. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, if you guys would, go ahead and flip over there. But, he, but he's trying to, he's trying to, to, to take this, this idea and express the greatness of Christ. And, and, and Paul is, is setting that foundation for the church, and he writes in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, he says this. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, and he, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all things, or sorry, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. As I read those verses, we are rubbish. Because without Christ, we can amount to nothing. As I try to decipher what these verses mean, go back to the Greek and, and look at everything that is, that is written there in the Greek, and I'm no Greek scholar. I have to have other people tell me what it means. The underlying theme there is Christ is everything. And you are nothing. He's the beginning and the end. He's the sustainer. He's the head of the body. He's the head of the church. And I think many times our pride starts to dwell up and get a little higher and higher and higher. And our focus comes off of Jesus. How can we refocus? What do we do? Guys, I think it's foundational. We look to Christ in everything. We take our eyes off of the thing that we're focusing on in our daily life, and we put our eyes back on Him. We, we, we continue. We continue to, to follow Christ in every step that we take. We pray. We fast. We look to Him for the direction that we need to make. And thirdly, we take ourselves out of everything. Pride is the, is the destruction of a Christian. See, when we do those things, I think the kingdom of God will be forever impacted. I've been a part of Countryside for a long time. Not as long as some. But I know that there are phenomenal things that this church has done. More importantly, as we continue to focus on Jesus, there are going to be great things that this church is going to do for the kingdom. So I ask you this morning, church, is it time to refocus? Is it time to refocus your own life to reflect more of Jesus? For me, it is. How do you do that? Well, if you're not a believer, if you were at the Upward Celebration yesterday, um, the fourth-level black belt, I think, said it best. Come. Accept Him. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior. 
If you're already a believer, you need prayer to put Jesus back at the center of your life. I know the elders here would love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. We need to be doing that for each other. Maybe you're like, Christ has not been my focus, and I need to refocus this morning. I'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. I'd love to talk with you about that and what that looks like. I ask you one more question before I close. If you don't refocus this morning, when will you? God, we thank you for our time here this morning. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come on a beautiful, snowy day, a day where, where we can come into your house to praise you, to hear scripture, to understand a little bit more about what the authors were meaning when they wrote it. But more importantly this morning, I pray that we can refocus and everything that we do would be in line with what you want for us. God, we thank you for, for again, for our time this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.